0: everyone and welcome to the second podcast in our 2020 Key Cases podcast series. In the lead up to Christmas we're bringing you the most significant employment cases from this year and looking at the key takeaway points for HR. I'm Ailey Murray, Senior Counsel in the Employment Team at Travis Smith and I'm joined today by two of our associates Sarah Baker and Tom Hunt. Hi everyone. Hi there. We're looking at something a little bit different today. We've got three cases all about dismissals for some other substantial reason, sometimes called SOSR dismissals. Sarah, is it worth just explaining what we mean by SOSR to begin with?
1: Sure. So SOSR is basically a catch-all category to cover dismissals that don't fit into one of the other more traditional categories like misconduct, performance or redundancy. And some other substantial reason can be a fair reason for dismissal. And the most common examples are things like refusal to accept changes to terms and conditions, potential reputational harm to the business, or a breakdown in working relationships.
0: Great, thanks. We're going to focus on the last two of those today. We've got two cases on reputational harm to the business and another case on breakdown in working relationships. So Tom, would you like to kick us off with our first case?
2: Sure. So the first case was simply called KBL in order to protect the identities of the parties as the facts are quite extreme. The employee was a teacher who had a long unblemished record. Following a tip-off, police raided his home and they found a computer that had indecent images of children on it. He told the school about this, but he denied any responsibility for the images on his computer. He lived with his son at the time and said that he didn't know where the images came from.
0: So a teacher with indecent images of children on his computer, I bet the school took that seriously.
2: Yeah, so he was initially charged by the police, but they decided not to prosecute because they didn't have enough evidence. Meanwhile, the school suspended him whilst it conducted an investigation. Unfortunately, the school couldn't get any information from the police about the nature or the seriousness of the images or where they'd come from. In any case, they invited the employee to a disciplinary hearing and the allegation in the invitation letter was misconduct. The manager who was chairing the disciplinary hearing concluded there wasn't enough evidence to say the employee was guilty of misconduct but he decided to dismiss the employee anyway because of the potential reputational risk to the school. The employee then claimed for unfair dismissal.
1: It feels to me like there would be quite a serious reputational risk so that would be a fair dismissal?
2: Yeah you'd think so. So interestingly the tribunal initially said it was a fair dismissal but on appeal The Employment Appeal Tribunal said that the dismissal was unfair. The EAT said that the letter inviting the employee to the disciplinary hearing only mentioned misconduct and said nothing about reputational risk as a potential issue. So the employee therefore had no opportunity to respond to that allegation. The EAT said that it could not possibly be fair to dismiss the employee for misconduct because the employer itself had decided there was insufficient evidence that he was guilty of that. The EAT also doubted whether there was enough of a reputational risk here to justify dismissal, given that the police had decided not to prosecute, and so there was no, therefore no chance of a trial or conviction. Also, the employer had no idea about the nature or seriousness of the images, as it had no information on this from the police.
1: It sounds like quite a harsh decision on the employer to me.
0: Yeah, it is quite surprising. It just goes to show how important it is to put the right allegations in the letter inviting the employee to the disciplinary meeting.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I guess the employee employer would have had a much better chance of defending the case if they'd said the allegation was misconduct or bringing the employer into disrepute. What do you
0: think about the decision on reputational risk, Tom?
2: Yeah, I think that's surprising too, as any sort of allegation against the teacher of having any connection with indecent images of children must bring with it some sort of reputational risk. I agree that the outcome might have been different if the employer had actually mentioned reputational risk in the letter and also put this to the employee in the meeting so as to give them a chance to respond to it. So as a first key takeaway point is make sure that you get your invite letter right. And as a second key takeaway, is if you are dismissing for reputational risk, make sure you're very clear in the outcome letter or possibly even in a separate file note why you think there is a potential risk of reputational harm to your business.
0: Very sensible advice, Tom. Sarah, I think you had another case about criminal charges and reputational risk. Uh,
1: Yes, so the next case is called Lafferty and Nuffield Health. So Mr. Lafferty was an operating theatre porter, and his duties involved moving vulnerable patients to and from operating theatres. He was arrested and charged with assault with intention to rape, so very serious charges, um, but he was released on bail. He told his employer, and they suspended him on full pay. One big difference with the case Tom just mentioned is that the employer in this case was concerned about reputational risk from the start, and spoke to the employee about their concerns. And given the nature of the charges, the employer decided it would not be appropriate for Mr. Lafty to return to work until after his trial. But Mr. Lafty didn't know when that was going to be. So the employer had two options. They could either dismiss him or they could leave him on open ended suspension. The employer in this case was actually a charity. So they didn't think that open ended suspension on full pay would be a good use of charitable funds. And so they decided that they would dismiss him. But they did so on the basis that if the charges were dropped or if he was acquitted, he could then be reinstated.
2: I mean, that seems quite reasonable.
1: Yeah, I think it does seem reasonable. And the tribunal agreed. Um, Mr. Lafferty brought an unfair dismissal claim, but the tribunal ruled that that the dismissal was fair. Now, interestingly, after the tribunal hearing, Mr. Lafferty was acquitted at trial and then reinstated, but without back pay. And so he appealed the decision saying the dismissal was unfair.
2: That seems quite a strange thing to do if you would already been reinstated.
1: I agree, but I think he was trying to get back pay for the period between the dismissal and the reinstatement. But the EAT said that the dismissal for reputational risk was fair, even though he was subsequently acquitted of the criminal charges and reinstated by the employer. That's interesting. Why do you think the result was different um, in this case to the one that Tom mentioned? That's a good question. I think here the employer raised reputational risk as its main concern at the outset, whereas in Tom's case, the employer only raised that in the dismissal letter at the end. Um, The other main thing is that there was a much bigger reputational risk here, given the police had actually decided to prosecute the individual, whereas in Tom's case, the police decided not to prosecute. Um, And there's always more media attention when there's an actual trial. Also, I think the nature of the charges here, combined with the fact he was in charge of vulnerable patients, really added to the reputational risk in this case.
2: I suppose also the employer in your case, Sarah, was a charity and and charities are always under particular scrutiny, especially when it comes to employees engaging in sexual offences.
1: I think so. And the tribunal actually mentioned all of that as to why the reputational risk was very real in this case. Um, And it comes back to the point, Tom, you made earlier, that if you're looking to dismiss because the employee's done something which could cause reputational harm, it's just really important to be so clear about what that harm could be and what the risk is. And ideally, documenting that somewhere, either in an outcome letter or a file note.
2: Yeah. And it's also a good reminder that the potential for reputational harm can be enough to justify dismissal in the right cases. So you don't always need to wait to see if the employee is actually convicted, convicted of an offence or not.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay, thanks. So over to me for the, our final case, and moving on to something different. This is all about a breakdown in trust and confidence, and the case is called Gallagher versus Abelio Scott Rail Limited. The employee in this case was a head of customer delivery and standards for a rail company. She was a relatively senior manager who worked closely with her line manager, The relationship with her line manager began to sour after she was repeatedly denied a pay rise and was asked to participate in an on-call rota, which she felt was outside of her duties. There were also various disagreements about recruitment and separately what was said during a return to work meeting following a period of sickness absence. The employee's line manager felt the employee was difficult to manage and was unhappy in her role and that she was being blamed for the deterioration of their relationship. The employee's direct reports also raised concerns about the employee's leadership and her ability to delegate and provide support. So it all went very pear-shaped. A decision was made um, to terminate the employee's employment. The relationship breakdown was having a negative impact on the business at a time when it was facing financial difficulties and had become unrecoverable. As there had already been two discussions about the relationship breakdown, no further procedure was followed and the employee was dismissed at her annual appraisal. The employee, unsurprisingly, brought an unfair dismissal claim among other claims But surprisingly, the Employment Tribunal and the Employment Appeal Tribunal ruled that the dismissal was fair, despite the lack of formal process. That is quite surprising. I feel like it's unusual for
1: tribunals to find a fair dismissal where there's no process followed at all.
0: Absolutely. And the EAT made that point. They said a lack of process will normally render a dismissal unfair. But in this case, on the specific facts, a formal process would not have served any purpose and may actually have made things worse. There was a clear breakdown in the relationship and the employee had no interest in repairing it. Also, the employee was a senior manager and it was critical she got along with her line manager, particularly as the business was facing difficult time financially. So it could, be said, so it could not be said that dismissal in this way was something that no reasonable employer would do in these circumstances.
2: It feels like this case is quite fact specific uh, and so it would be difficult for employers to rely on this too much.
1: I agree with that Tom and from what I've seen tribunals are reluctant to allow employers to rely on a breakdown in trust and confidence to avoid a proper process and often the tribunal will say that the breakdown is caused by some sort of misconduct so it's really a misconduct dismissal in which case you then need to have a disciplinary hearing first.
2: Yeah so Amy, what sort of steps can employers take to put themselves in a better position?
0: Well where there is a relationship breakdown tribunals will expect you to make every effort to try to repair the relationship. For example, by offering mediation and considering redeployment into other areas of the business. And there would also need to be evidence that the relationship was having a detrimental impact on the business or colleagues to justify dismissal. Like in this case where you had the employee subordinates complaining about her.
2: And presumably if you did offer mediation, but the employee refuses to engage, that in itself is a good sign the relationship has broken down beyond repair.
1: Yes, and we've seen that
0: argument work in a number of cases. Yes, I agree. It's certainly a a tricky area to manage. Well, that brings us to the end of our podcast today on SOSR dismissals. Some very interesting cases indeed, and some important takeaway points.
1: If anyone has any questions on anything we've covered today, then do, of course, feel free to get in touch um, and you'll find all of our details on the website.
0: That just leaves me to say, Thanks very much for listening and keep an eye out for our final podcast in the Key Cases series, looking at key discrimination cases from 2020. And I believe there are some real doozies in there. Thanks very much. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.